and welcome to In My Opinionation, your weekly Blossom Recap podcast. Each week, we break down an episode of the hit 90s sitcom and give you our thoughts and opinionations. <laughs> that joke's getting old so fast. Um, <laughs> I love it forever. I'm your host, Mallory. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Jen. Hey, girl. Eric is not here again this week. He's off being a dad, and that's super cool. So uh, another <laughs> girl's week. Girls week. This week, we're looking at season two, episode three, The Joint. Ooh. It aired September 30th, 1991. It was written by Judith D. Allison. That's a tongue twister of a name. Mm-hmm. And directed by Zane Busby. Zane Busby. <laughs> <laughs> so a quick synopsis. Blossom considers smoking a joint. And Nick doesn't want to believe that his teenage kids might be curious about drugs. Okay, Nick. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I have absolutely no trivia for this. I couldn't find anything. There wasn't any, no. Yeah, there's some some stuff that we'll get into as we go through the episode. I think it fits better if we tackle it when we get there. So yeah. we'll we'll head right into a bu- 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 breakdown. Yeah. So we start out in the Russo's backyard, which is a new location that I don't think we've seen yet. No, we've seen the front door and that's it. Seen the front door. We haven't seen the back door. Six and Blossom are coming home from school and Blossom pulls a joint out of her pocket. The girls are completely nervous and rightfully so. I mean, well, from what we've seen about them and know so far, Mm -hmm. they seem to have a very clear idea of right and wrong, even if it might not align with what Nick's idea of right and wrong is. But they have a pretty good moral compass. Yeah. And also after seeing what Tony went through, it it makes sense that Blossom would be super nervous, if not it being a little weird that she's considering smoking it at all. But teens will be teens, I guess. Yeah, I feel like you can have the context or know somebody who did it and still be curious as to it must have felt so good if it made him an addict. I wonder. (laughs) Right. Well, and also to have the mindset, and I think also rightfully so, that not everybody is an addict. So maybe it'll Mm -hmm. be different for me, which it might be. But, you know, knowing that you have that experience in your family would make you a little bit more wary than someone who doesn't. Yeah. Is she is, yeah, they're both very, very nervous, but she's also 14 or 15, whatever she is now. Yes, so the girls decide they're going to take some deep breaths and calm down before they go inside because who knows who they might run into. Also, she's wearing her overalls from the intro. Sorry, yeah, no, no, (laughs) she is. She's wearing like, and it's not just the overalls, it's the entire outfit, yeah, the exact same outfit. So, inside the kitchen, Tony is frying an egg and he says, This is your brain on drugs. So I did a little bit of research on this because I recognize exactly what this is referencing. So it's a reference to a 1987 PSA from the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. The commercial featured a close-up of butter sizzling in a frying pan with a voiceover that says, this is drugs. And then they crack an egg into the frying pan and the voiceover says, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? (laughs) And yes, several questions. Is this my brain on all of the drugs? What about prescription drugs? Like, yeah. So um, we'll have the link to that in our show notes. But Jen, I don't know about you when you Googled this. I remember the other one. Yeah. So there were a a couple that came up that I was like, I remember this one. I don't remember Mm -hmm. that one. So the one I do remember is an updated version of this one from late 90s, early 2000s, starring Rachel E. Cook. Mm -hmm. She's holding an egg and she says, this is your brain. And then she holds up this cast iron frying pan and says, this is 
heroin. So they're not just lumping all all drugs together in this one. Yeah. And then she places the egg on the counter and says, this is your brain on heroin and just smashes the (laughs) shit out of it with the frying pan. And then she proceeds to destroy the entire kitchen with the frying pan. Wastes it. Yeah. Just and she's like, this is what happens to your friends and like smashes a bunch of plates. This is what happens to your money. And she like smashes a clock. It's it's quite a violent PSA. She goes the fuck off. Yeah. And kind of out of character for Rachel Lee Cook of what we've seen in the movies and TV shows she does. She usually plays like a quieter character. I think that's part of why I will remember this commercial until the day I die. Because I was like 10 when it came out. Yeah. And like you said, she always played these kind of like sweet, timid. She played like Marianne and Babysitter's Club. (laughs) And she was in, she's all that. So like that was very much her character. So to not only have this commercial where somebody's just (laughs) wasting a kitchen. Yeah. Like super violently, but to have it be a celebrity we all recognized being totally out of character like that will stick with me forever yeah so the other one that came up when i searched this psa on youtube was one from 2017 and i was like that's that's new i haven't seen that oh look it's also rachel lee cook oh yes however this one is from the drug policy alliance and it is in the, it starts out the same style as the early 2000s ones with Rachel Lee Cook. And she mm-hmm. holds up an egg, a white egg. And she says, this is someone who's going to do drugs, but they'll be fine. And she puts it to the side. And then she picks up a brown egg and says, this is a different person. And so basically the spot is taking aim at the war on drugs, quote unquote, and drug policy that disproportionately affects people of color. And steps away from the like drugs are bad and more towards what we all know is that the way we've been policing drugs is incorrect. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good PSA. Um, Again, this link will be in our show notes and on our social media. I recommend that you watch it. Yeah. But I, I thought it was really interesting to see the way that our views on drugs have evolved and specifically have the same actress who clearly her views have evolved as well because we know that you know a white person who's caught with weed is going to be fine Mm -hmm. whereas a black person probably won't be yeah obviously this is talking in places where weed is not legal unlike it is (laughs) in ontario oh sometimes it doesn't matter yeah so i recommend that watching that video that's crazy yeah i want to check that out yeah so now that we've taken a nice uh little side tangent here we'll get back to our scene so joey asks for his brain scrambled and tony says god already did that zing (laughs) then buzz enters and we have like the weirdest scene that is there for no reason Mm -hmm. he's chatting with joey about what video to rent that night and of course every movie in it joey just lists the hot girl and what scene she's the hottest in and then blossom and six enter and they try to zip past everyone and go right up to blossom's room mm-hmm. but buzz thwarts that plan and the girls like they they're deer in headlights they've been caught everybody knows but buzz just wants his kiss hello from his granddaughter so <laughs> the girls kind of laugh it off blossom kisses buzz on the cheek and they try to take off again but buzz stops them again he asks, what's the rush? Where's the fire? So they lie and say they have a lot of history studying to do. And Six goes on this rant about history, adding way too much detail and speaking very quickly, <laughs> which she does normally. But we can tell in this scene that it's out of stress and not yeah. not excitement. Oh, yeah. The girls leave. Buzz and Joey get back to choosing their video and they land on who framed Roger Rabbit because of the cartoon chick with big jugs. Gross. And they don't even end up watching that movie. No. 
Buzz is useless. I still hate him. It's only been an episode. I still hate him. Yeah, there's there there was no need for him in this episode. We didn't need an older Joey. No. I have enough Joey. Yeah. I I don't know why. I I wish I wish I knew why they added him. Because I'm sure there was a reason. Was it a good reason? Probably not, but I'm sure there was one. <laughs> Maybe later? No, there's there's like uh, yeah, I I have no idea. Conflict. Yeah. We move into Blossom's room. The girls have placed the joint on Blossom's side table. Side note, how many tables does she have in this room? She has her this desk. This is a new table. Yeah, she has her desk, her vanity, and then this weird bubble table. I think it's been there the whole time, but the way that they've shot scenes, you don't see it because it's weirdly off to the side. Huh. The Russells have a table problem. They have too many tables. Too many tables. Too many tables and a changing kitchen island, right? You, you've solved this mystery. Guys, okay. This was however many weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And I was talking about how the kitchen island looks too small. And then we went back and said, no, it's always been small. But then I was doing a rewatch. Guys, my friends, sometimes there is a stovetop and sometimes <laughs> there is not. Go watch. I can't unsee it for the rest of forever. It's so like, I understand swapping out set pieces for like, certain reasons you know sometimes you need the smaller table whatever but you can't swap out a stove no you always need a stove it's a full ass appliance <laughs> fire comes from it you can't just get rid of it right <laughs> all right so so there's this weird bubble table in blossom's room so the girls are just sitting there staring at this joint deciding whether or not they're going to smoke it and they decide that they could go to both jail and hell for smoking it <laughs> and they convince themselves that buzz and tony could tell they had a joint blossom thinks the word marijuana was spelled out in sweat beads on her forehead and six <laughs> thinks that tony could smell the weed like one of those airport dogs so I'm going to get onto a soapbox for a minute. Do it. Yes. So I think it's worth interrogating our use of the word marijuana versus cannabis. Mm. And that's because the word marijuana started to be used in the United States around the 20s and 30s as a way to blame Mexicans and other minorities for introducing pot to Americans, which isn't the case. They didn't uh -huh. do that. And corrupting Americans or to frame pot use as a them problem. So I have a couple of articles that I'll put the link to in our show notes that talk a little bit about the history of the word marijuana. And also, if you're interested in seeing a satire version of the way that pot was viewed in the 30s, I highly, highly recommend Reefer Madness, the movie musical starring oh, Christian yeah. Campbell and Kristen Bell. Love it. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm making a conscious effort in my life to say cannabis instead of marijuana. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I mean, read the articles, do the research yourself and, and make that decision for yourself. But from what I know, the word marijuana in, in North American use is has a little bit of a racist history. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's not something that's really like public. I, I remember hearing something about it somewhere. So I did a little bit of research. And yeah, these two these two articles seem to be do a good job of talking about it. They talk about how before the 1920s and 30s, when they were they, they used the word cannabis, they would talk about, you know, all these drug trials and stuff with cannabis. And then there was this switch and they started referring to it as marijuana. And it was around the time that the whole reefer madness thing happened. Yeah. So yeah. There seems to be a connection there. Okay. Yeah. So Blossom tries to be level-headed, saying that there's no reason to get carried away. No one knows they have the joint. They didn't even buy it. They just found it on the bus. Hold up. Yeah, put that in your mouth. Right? Great idea. Like, okay, you want to you want to try weed? Sure. We know we know today that it's not it's not a bad thing. of a thing. No. 
maybe maybe the younger you are you probably shouldn't because your brain's still developing and all that stuff but weed alone is not is not terrible but do not do not smoke anything you found on the bus or anywhere for that matter. If you found it on the ground, don't smoke it. No, bad no, idea. Bad scene. Uh, you don't know what, I mean, they talk about it later, but you don't know yeah. what's in there. So we, we learned that Six shoved the joint to Blossom's bag before she could do anything about it. But Blossom did want to check it out, but only for research purposes. AKA smoking it to see what happens. Well, yeah, because they can't find a rat to smoke it. So they're going to have to smoke it themselves. They sit back down and Six sniffs the joint saying that it smells like a Grateful Dead concert. Accurate. Mm -hmm. And then Blossom says it smells like Lincoln Logs in a pesto sauce. So I don't think we had Lincoln Logs in Canada. So if you're an American listener out there, please tell us if this is an accurate description, because I would like to know. Could you go to your closet, pull out your Lincoln Logs, put some pesto sauce on it for us, do it for us. For research. For research. Tell us if it smells like weed. Yes. (laughs) So weird. So now that they've seen it, touched it and smelled it, the girls decide that the next logical step is just to get rid of it. They can't bury it in the backyard because dogs might find it. They can't burn it. So maybe they should just smoke it. Mm-hmm. You know, Six says that they have all the essentials they need. They have matches and lungs. <laughs> and Blossom concedes that it would be one way to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But she can't even handle the thought of cigarette smoke. So there's no way she could handle pot. They could flush it. They could flush it. Dummies. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they have a little conversation about this. Um, Six says, you know, you don't have to inhale it, but like, what's the point if you don't inhale mm. it? You would you would do no research if you did not inhale. Right. And, you know, Blossom tries to to downplay how bad it is, saying, you know, everyone smoked it in the 60s. And then the two girls with the weirdest style ever oh my and God. laugh at the looks of the 60s. My note was just, madam, have you seen the clothes you wear? Have you have you looked in a mirror? <laughs> so. Blossom wonders if if she'll become an addict, but Six rightly points out that not everyone who smokes weed becomes addicted. Yeah. And then we get the rhetoric. I mean, it is true to some extent, but we get the anti-drug rhetoric that we hear a lot that, Mm -hmm. you know, it had to start somewhere. So weed must have been a gateway drug type thing. And this is it. This is in reference to Tony. I think that they say this. Yeah, that his addiction started somewhere. But I don't know. Like, I feel like and we heard this in um, the camping trip one is mm-hmm. Tony pretty specifically says he started drugs because his family was going through some shit and he felt ignored and he was able to get in as deep as he could mm-hmm. because his parents were so preoccupied and not paying attention to him. So this bugged me, this rhetoric of, well, it happened to Tony, so it could happen to me. Like the situations in which you're coming at it are extremely different. Yeah, I think like the research, well, I don't know if it was the research at the time or just lobbying groups lobbying against cannabis. The rhetoric was if you try pot at some point, it won't have the same high. You'll get you'll develop a tolerance and you won't have the same high. So you'll need to move on to stronger things. And I think what they've discovered, what the research is saying now is that you can be an an addict without ever doing anything. It's part of your like brain chemistry that you're predisposed to being addicted Mm -hmm. to things. And it doesn't matter if you ever actually start smoking weed. Your brain still makes you quote unquote an addict, whether or not you've discovered you're an addict or not. Yeah. It's the same as, I mean, 
obviously if, if you drink or you smoke or whatever your thing is, there are things you can take into your body that will boost that, that dopamine or whatever you're getting Mm -hmm. to enable the addiction. But if you have an addictive, I I say addictive personality, but it's like a a chemical thing as well. It has to do with mental health and chemicals. And if you're already predisposed to that, just like you said, like the drugs can give you a boost, but if you never smoke pot, you could find, you could get addicted to reading. That's a super lame example, but you know what what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea is that the, the addiction isn't the drug the drug is the outlet of the addiction right yeah, like the the, exactly. the drug is the like manifestation of the addiction it's not mm-hmm. the addiction itself yep yeah so just as they're discussing this uh nick knocks on blossom's door and the girls panic and try to hide the joint and they drop it and they end up in this weird hug just kind of holding each other as nick enters <laughs> with like this really weird laugh right they're like this is normal <laughs> just act natural <laughs> um, <laughs> so nick invites the girls downstairs to join the boys for chinese in a movie and six says that she'll have to just say no <laughs> and this is another reference to an anti-drug campaign from the 80s and 90s and the slogan was coined by first lady nancy reagan yeah Six then just abandons Blossom, saying she has to go home and get her sleepover stuff and that she'll be back after dinner. And then she literally runs out of Blossom's room, <laughs> leaving Blossom holding the joint. And uh, Blossom agrees to join the boys for dinner and then does this awkward sideways walk out of her room. Okay, so do you know why she did this? There was no nope. reason for it. No, nope. literally no reason. No, I, I, yeah, I, f- comedy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> comedy. Yeah, it was <laughs> funny walk. So the family's in the living room loading up their plates and Nick shares the movies that he rented that they can choose from. And it's Midnight Express or Joey's favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And in a great, a great through line from season one. Remember in season one, we learned that Joey thinks the Care Bears are real and they're acting in the movies. Oh my God. Yes. And here he he thinks the Ninja Turtles are real and they're acting. But they're, these, this time they're great actors, except for Michelangelo, because he's just playing himself. Can I say this movie... TMNT, the 1990 version, the live action with the animatronics was one of my favorite movies growing up. Was it? It was like a once every few weeks I was putting it on. Me and my cousins would play Ninja Turtles and I was April O'Neil. Like Ninja Turtles was a thing. Yeah. So when he drops this and he's like, I know what the joke was. I know the joke was the Ninja Turtles are real, but he's like, they're all sensational actors. And I'm like, they are. They are. So (laughs) I had an I had an acting teacher who was in Ninja Turtles two or three. Mm -hmm. And he he told us that there were five people per turtle who yeah. played the role. So there was the voice actor. There was the person in the suit who was my teacher. There was a martial artist, a stunt man, and a puppeteer. Who was basically working the, working the, the mouth. Working the mouth. Working the uh, mouth. <laughs> so I actually looked it up because he made the comment about the actor. And at least in the first one, I don't yeah. know about the other ones. So apparently, I think it was Raphael in the first one was actually the same voice actor and not martial artist, but like physical actor. The guy in the suit. Yeah. And he yeah. was the only one to do both, which I thought was cool. That, that is really cool. His name was Josh Pius, Pius. I'm not sure how to pronounce yeah. that. Yeah. My brother was really into Ninja Turtles too. My 
my grandfather worked in TV and I remember being at my grandparents once I was like, I don't know, four. And my grandfather came home from work and he had a shredder mask on his head for my brother and a, a baby lamb chop puppet on his hand for me. <laughs> oh my God. He was so cool. It was so cute. And we also have a picture of him with the, with the Ninja Turtles. That is amazing. Yeah. I will. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my mom and see if it's cool if we put that photo Aww. in the, on the social media. So, um, yep. yeah. So if you haven't seen Midnight Express, don't worry because Blossom tells us exactly what happens. <laughs> it's about a guy who gets caught smuggling drugs and winds up in a Turkish prison. How appropriate for Blossom's current situation of hiding a joint in her pocket. Also, the drug is hash, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but well, whatever. Yeah, Midnight Express is quite an old movie. So again, mm. I think it was part of the like the reefer panic. Got it. Blossom obviously votes for Ninja Turtles because she doesn't want to feel any more guilty than she already does <laughs> but she's outvoted so they pop in midnight express and we cross fade to the end of the movie blossom is a nervous wreck <laughs> and she tries to quiet her conscience by asking the boys if the character's punishment was too harsh after all maybe it wasn't his hash maybe he found it on the bus blossom if you wanted to tell everybody that you have found drugs on the bus <laughs> she has zero chill Right. And no chill. But why are none of the boys being like, like that was specific? Do you have something to tell us? Like, especially having grown up with Tony. Yeah. You think Nick would be able to clue in to any like drug weirdness? Yeah. Well, right. If she had been like, maybe he found it on the ground. Like, OK, that's weird. Like, this is a weird conversation, but OK. But maybe he found it on the bus. Yeah. It's, it's way too specific. I know. Then we have this bit that could have been left on the cutting room floor of Buzz asking Nick how much he owes him and Nick saying he never pays. <sighs> so, you know, why does he keep asking? So Buzz says, you're right. I'll stop asking. And he leaves and it's weird and I don't like it. It did nothing to drive the plot forward. I don't like anything to do with him. No, it's fine. <laughs> so Joey Gent then shares his thought on the movie, which is if you're going to smuggle drugs, you should do it somewhere where they like Americans like Canada or Indiana. I wanted to diplomatically discuss this with you. Okay. okay. Because he says where they like America, like Canada. And of mm -hmm. course we have said before, we are two Canadians. Yep. So I thought this line was funny. Yeah. Because I've always been curious about what America thinks we think of them. Oh, okay. Well, if we're going to get into what like America in general thinks of Canadians, I, I think that the average middle America who thinks like a middle American who thinks that America is the greatest country in the world, I think they think that Canadians are just like, oh my God, I wish we could be America. <laughs> yeah. Aren't they so cool, you guys? Like, I think... Like a little sister, right? A little sister is looking yeah. up to a big sister being like, your hair is so pretty. Like that's, that's what I think they think that we do, which no thanks. I'm good. I'm good up here with my free healthcare and no guns. I will very much say there are Americans I know and love. If you're an American listening to this, you know what? I know and love you. I don't know you, but I love you. <laughs> but sometimes y'all are Joey and that I still love yeah. you. Obviously, we're not talking about anyone specific or anyone. No, we know. No, no. I just the general culture that, you know. Yeah. The culture of other perceptions of other countries in yeah. relation to America. Yeah. 
I, and that's also what we see a lot in the media, right? Is a lot of mm-hmm. Americans talking about how great America is and every other country can suck it because they're not America. Yeah. So yeah. if that's, if that's the general or like the, the, even if it's not the general, the vocal minority, perhaps, yeah. then I would have to assume that those specific people who are making those comments in the media think of Canadians as just wanting to be America. Little sister. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was interesting. Yeah. So Nick asks Blossom her thoughts and she just sort of babbles on about Indiana while backing up the stairs to her room. (laughs) Back in her room, she decides that she needs to get rid of the joint. You know, she hasn't even smoked it and it's making her act stupid and crazy. So she reaches into her pocket, but it's not there. And she checks the other pocket and it's not there. And she panics. She even checks like the cuff of her, of her shorts for it. Oh no, she has lost it. So <laughs> she runs out of her room to find it. And when she gets to the top of the stairs, she sees Nick tidying in the couch and he finds it. Mm-hmm. She continues to panic, runs back upstairs. And obviously Nick immediately thinks it's Tony's. So this to me was insanely frustrating. I know she's nervous, mm-hmm. but she hears Nick yell for Tony. Yeah. And Blossom knows the implication of it being Tony's joint as opposed to hers. And she still runs away. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think she's not thinking clearly, obviously, you know, she's panicking. We do. Like I mentioned earlier, she does have a very clear sense of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And in the phone call, you know, she goes back to her room. She calls six and she says that dad thinks it's Tony's, but I can't do that. Like she knows she can't do that to Tony, but it takes her a little while to kind of work up the courage, I guess. Yeah. And calm down. Cause when you're in that fight or flight, right? Like you don't think clearly, you just act. Fair enough. Yeah. So during this phone call, we do get this great early nineties split screen action. Yes. With Blossom in the top left corner and six in the bottom right corner. And then it kind (laughs) of like is blurred on the like center line. It's great. It's fantastic. So yeah. So Blossom says it's Tony's and, and six is like, great. We're off the hook. We don't have to, (laughs) we don't have to worry about it. But Blossom says she can't do that. Even though she did take the fall for him when he set the house on fire with the bong he made in ceramic class. And this is another callback to season one in the episode where Blossom has to write a song for music class. And she says, if she gets kicked out, she'll have to take ceramics. And Tony says he got kicked out of ceramics for making a bong. Oh, damn. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we have these two, these two great moments that are consistent characters, right? Like that's, that's, I love when those type of characteristics are consistent. Like Joey always thinking that cartoons are real people and that's, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, Blossom says she can't do that to her brother and she won't get away with it because Tony's not going to lie. And so he's going to tell Nick that it's not his and Nick will believe him. And we immediately cut to the kitchen where Tony says that the joint isn't his. And Nick says, I don't believe you. And Tony's pretty frustrated. He he feels that no matter how long he's sober, Nick will always accuse him first. And I, I understand where Tony's coming from here, but I also understand Nick's perspective. Like it. Yep. And I made this note as well. I wanted to talk to you about this because yeah. I was, I don't know what to do with this conversation because they are both valid in thinking what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony, Tony saying, you know, this sucks. It doesn't matter how long, you know, you're always going to accuse me. You're always going to accuse me first. I, I don't know how much he's, he's saying that to Nick so much as like this whole situation sucks. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily mad at Nick for accusing him first. 
but more mad at how the choices that he made in life has now led to the situation where no matter what he does, he's always going to be the first accused. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. At least that's what I hope. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so they kind of have a little discussion about it. You know, Nick says like you earned that suspicion, Mm -hmm. but Tony counters, well, yeah, but I think I've also earned the right for you not to suspect me or at least to, to believe me when I say it's not mine. Yeah. Can I, can I diverge for yes. a moment? Yes, you can. So because there were so many very, very specific references in this episode. And mm-hmm. I think both of us did a lot of weird deep dives that yeah. went off the rails. So one of mine is um, Nick makes this comment uh, along those lines of you've also earned the right to be suspected. Yeah. And he says something along the lines of, you know, if somebody robs a bank, their first thing they're going to do is go to the James brothers or the Solomon brothers. So I looked them up. Yeah. I knew the James brothers. I didn't know who the Solomon brothers were. And before I looked it up, I was like, is, is this a a comment about Jews running banks? And then I was very, I was very, I was very relieved to learn that that was not the case because I was about to be real offended. (laughs) (laughs) No. So the, the, James comment is based on the James Younger gang, Jesse James and his brother, Frank, very, very popular. Well, not popular. Well, known, <laughs> infamous, yeah. um, infamous gang of robbers that were kind of running rampant based out of Missouri and they were active in the 19th century. So there have been movies made based around this gang and whatnot. Yeah. So that was the first reference, which as soon as I looked it up, I was like, oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah. The second one, the Salomon Brothers made me laugh because I guess Salomon Brothers Inc. was an American investment bank in New York City. Mm -hmm. And they grew and got absolutely huge. We're like running the world in the 1980s into the 1990s. From everything I read about it, it was very much like a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, alpha male you know, always be close, like that kind of Wall Street. Yes. Like that kind of business. So they were making incredible bank. (laughs) This is the part that made me laugh. So they had slang within their own company and somebody who came in and was a high earner was uh, deemed a big swinging dick. <laughs> so this is Wolf. This is Wolf of Wall Street. Then Wolf of Wall yeah, Street. Like yeah. you'd be like, oh, you closed the deal. Look at you, you big swinging dick. I yeah. don't know. I'm saying it like they're in the 30s. <laughs> this was in the 80s, but when everybody was doing coke, when everyone was doing coke. Yeah. So what happened? The because this was relevant in 1991, one of its members was charged for fraud in this huge, huge scandal where they were buying up more bonds than I guess they were legally allowed in their contract or whatever. So he could trade them off and make more money. It was an enormous Wall Street scandal that happened right around the time this aired. Am I am I wrong in thinking that this is what Wolf of Wall Street was based on? Let, let me ask my husband. He knows. I don't know if it's the exact guy, but it could yeah. very well be. Yeah. I was late on Wolf of Wall Street. I watched it like this past year during the pandemic. You know, we watched oh. so many movies and this sounds like the plot of Wolf of Wall Street. I feel like this had probably happened a million times over on Wall Street. <laughs> right. It, that, that's the other thing is that it could just be every, every investment bank ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he said, no, it's based on a true story. He's a real guy. And yeah. So, so, yeah. so are they. <laughs> I didn't take down the name of the guy who got charged, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe that guy, maybe not. That was a fun deep dive. Yay. Yeah. So Tony says that Nick might be onto something and that he should be looking at Tony's brother or even his sister. 
after all, they're teenagers and that's when Tony started doing drugs. Mm -hmm. But Nick doesn't doesn't want to believe that it could be his kids. So Tony suggests maybe one of Nick's musician friends. But Nick says that he doesn't have any friends, just period, just no friends at all. Did he say that to just brush it off? Or do you think he literally has no friends? (laughs) I think I think he has like friends and colleagues. I don't know if he's inviting people over to his house. Like, I don't think he has like invite to my house friends. All right. Fair enough. Which is sad. I mean, kind of. He is a single dad with three kids. So I can kind of get it, but it is a little sad. Yeah. So then Tony goes into a process of elimination asking Nick, well, maybe it's yours. Maybe you're just accusing me to try and like shift blame away from yourself. And of course, that's not true because why would Nick need to show everybody this joint he has and ask them if it's theirs? Just don't bring it up, Nick. So obviously it's not Nick's. (laughs) So Tony asks Nick, well, have you ever smoked weed? Which is, I think, I mean, I I definitely asked my mom that. Have you, you've asked your parents, you're making a face. You, you, you know, I've had comments. I know that, but our listeners don't. My dad, also a lifelong musician of of course, we've had this conversation. I'm not going to talk about how detailed the conversation no, no, was. Obviously. But I think I think that's, you know, around the time that people start thinking about drugs or you start getting that like anti-drug stuff in school. Yeah, yeah. Kids are asking their parents. Yeah. So Nick admits that he has, but it made him really paranoid and he actually enjoyed the Partridge family. So he decided it wasn't for him. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad news. Yeah. <laughs> So with no one else left to blame and not wanting to blame Blossom or Joey, Nick says that it must be Buzz's joint. After all, he is a jazz musician and his name is Buzz. A plus evidence there, Nick, A plus. So Nick drives over to Buzz's hotel in the middle of the night to confront him about this joint, which is the tiniest joint in the world. Right. Obviously, Buzz is upset. How dare Nick come in the middle of the night? He might have a woman over. Nick, of course, does not believe this. So he just starts like sarcastically searching the room, you know, throwing the the comforter off the bed and throwing open the curtains and opening the door to the bathroom. And oh, look, there actually is a woman in there in the bathtub. Again, the point of this, I don't know. So Nick finally gets to the point. He shows Buzz the joint and accuses him of bringing it into his house. And Buzz must be the most logical culprit. And Buzz agrees, you know, it's not like there's teenagers living in the house. Right. See, that to me, this was the only time where I was like, okay, sassy grandpa, that's something I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Buzz tries to kick Nick out, but Nick can't let it go. He just can't believe that Joey or Blossom would be experimenting with drugs. They're good kids, you know. Joey is an athlete. An athlete. They say that. Did you catch that? Yeah, and and Joey says it the same way too later. Athlete. Is this a regional thing saying it athlete? I don't know. I just, I maybe they were just trying to enunciate their words. Oh, y'all, how do you say athlete? Let us know. Athlete. Uh, so finally, Buzz gets Nick out of the, the room and sends him home to confront the kids. I made a note of, yeah, because an athlete never used drugs before. Right? None of them. None of them ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there was the whole thing recently of that woman who qualified for the Olympics yep. in the States and she was disqualified because there was marijuana in her system, which is absolutely ridiculous. Well, and that's a thing, like you can use weed medicinally. So mm-hmm. if you're training your body yep. all the time, Yeah, absolutely. Calm those muscles down. Well, and I also like there is not a soul on this planet that would argue that weed is a performance enhancing drug. 
No. It's not going to make you better at running. If anything, you need more accolades. Yeah. So (laughs) anyways, so Blossom and Six are setting up Six's sleeping bag in Blossom's room. They can't believe that Nick hasn't said anything to about them yet. They're wondering if Nick is a bust you right away kind of dad or if he's going to save it up and and mm-hmm. get her with it later. And just as they're wondering that Nick barges in, he he needs to talk to Blossom right away. But every time he tries to to say that to Blossom that I need to I need you to come downstairs so I can talk to you. Six just starts talking, just talking at Nick, just to to throw him off the trail. So what she's a great friend. Right. So she starts <laughs> complimenting him. You know, she loves his shirt, his haircut. And then, uh, you know, when he finally says, I need to talk to you, Blossom, she's like, oh, no, we have so much studying to do. And, you know, your your daughter's tutoring me because I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> and she gives these puppy dog eyes like, oh, so, so Nick finally gives up, you know, his daughter is a good kid. Obviously she's, she's tutoring the stupid girl. So, <laughs> so he tells Blossom, you know, they'll talk in the morning, have fun studying and he takes off. Yeah. And then we move over to Joey's room. Joey is all tucked into bed, but he's also on the phone with his friend because he lost his lucky condom and wants to know if his friend has found it. Now, clearly this mm-hmm. condom can't be that lucky because he's never had a chance to use it. <laughs> That's the exact note I have written down. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So his friend's like, nah, I don't have it, which means that Joey lost it somewhere in his house. And he's worried about getting in trouble for having a condom. Uh, I mean, at least you're having safe sex. And again, if you still have it, at least you're not having sex. Right. <laughs> so Nick knocks on the door. Joey quickly hangs up and pretends to be asleep. And, you know, Nick wakes up Joey tells them they need to have this father-son talk. (laughs) And so begins the sitcom trope of two characters talking about two different things and neither of them understanding. I love it. It, It's such a played trope, but I love it every time. I always love it. (laughs) So Joey thinks Nick is talking about the condom and Nick thinks Joey is talking about the joint. So we get these lines Mm. like, I didn't do it. I was just going to carry it in my wallet. And you'll light it up and be passing it around to all of your friends. Soon you'll be using four or five at dinner. Yeah. And Joey is just ecstatic that he could be, he's not, he could not be any happier that he is going to be having sex seven times a day. Like that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. And it's at this point that Nick figures out that they're not talking about the same thing at all. Nick tries to have this loving heart to heart with Joey, telling him that he can always talk to his dad. But halfway through, he just snaps, grabs <laughs> Joey by the shirt and just yells in his face, asking him, are you smoking dope? You better not be smoking dope. Tell me the truth. And Joey, Joey is terrified. He's just like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm fine. And Nick collapses onto his son. <laughs> like, OK, let me paint you a word picture. Yes. So, you know, Ted Wass is crazy tall. Yep. Joey's lying in bed when he has this moment where he snaps and he's like, what are you doing? So he grabs Joey by the shirt and is like right in his face. Yeah. And then when he collapsed and you can see Joey Lawrence almost shit himself. (laughs) Like he he looks halfway between like terrified, but he's almost going to laugh as the actor. Like you can see. It read to me as... 
So it's a known thing that in moments of high emotion, Mm -hmm. people react in the opposite way that you think they would. So that's why you cry when you're really happy. Or if you get terrible news, you might laugh because your body just doesn't know what to do. So it looked to me how I read it, I guess, is that he's almost laughing because he's so terrified. See, I thought of it as if that were me acting in that situation (laughs) and somebody did that to me because he's right in his face. He does that thing, like you said, where he kind of like gives up he collapses so it's ted wass and joey lawrence they're like forehead to forehead mushed together (laughs) mushed together and then you know nick is just like it's okay you're a good boy sweet dreams go to sleep and like kisses him on the forehead and just walks out like yeah and joey is just lying in bed absolutely terrified oh yeah it's great physical comedy so terrified And then we have our first ever Nick Russo dream sequence. We've had several Blossom Russo dream sequences, but never Nick Russo dream sequence. Bizarro universe. Right? So in this dream, Blossom and Six have turned Blossom's room into this like 1960s drug (laughs) den. There are scarves everywhere. The lights are dim. I think in this Blossom even has like a dimmer switch on her lights for some reason. Yeah. And it turns on all these colored lights in her room. And Six is lighting incense. Blossom opens a window. She tells Six not to worry about her dad. And in an In addition to the incense, she also has air freshener and bug spray for the roaches. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I laughed. (laughs) So this is one of those jokes that I did not get at all as a child. Obviously, I was like six, right? I thought you meant now. No, 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 no. I got it now. (laughs) But as like a six-year-old doesn't know what a roach is. So they're about to light up and six pushes play on a boombox and White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane starts playing. Blossom then smells the joint and it's like wine. She can tell just by the smell, the strain, the year, the month it was harvested, the country of origin, that it was picked by a left-handed man wearing a hat. (laughs) And she keeps talking about this guy who picked the weed in his life until six finally cuts her off is like let's just let's just smoke it yeah six wonders if they have enough and blossom reaches under her bed and pulls out this garbage bag of weed that she got from the guidance counselor and she got it for free because he doesn't charge his girlfriends Uh, no because this is nick's dream yeah i love the leap in his brain where like a single joint is a garbage bag full of weed is a garbage bag full of weed and his daughter is dating her guidance yeah a a garbage bag full of free weed from a predator Mm -hmm. so they're about to light it up when Nick starts banging at the door begging Blossom not to do it the girls roll their eyes and ignore Nick and just as Blossom lights up Nick wakes up from his dream the next scene it's the middle of the night in a turn of events Tony walks in on Blossom having a midnight snack in the kitchen what yeah they've switched places so she says that she had a lot on her mind and Tony does too and he tells Blossom the whole story of Nick accusing him and, you know, asking Joey and Buzz and it's not there. So I don't know who could it be? Who could it belong <laughs> to Blossom? And Blossom instantly replies that she has glaucoma. <laughs> She's witty. The way Tony approaches, though, was so like he wasn't there to yell at her. No, he was very I don't want to say sweet because that's the wrong term, but he was very gentle about it. Yeah, I think he he knew that yelling didn't work with him. Mm-hmm. So why would I? try that with someone else. Like, yeah, if, if if someone's looking to test the boundaries, yelling isn't going to stop them. It's just going to make them want to test the boundaries more. Yep. Tony points out, as we've discussed before, never smoke anything you found on a bus because there could be <laughs> anything in there. And then he drops some sweet 90s drug terms. He's like, it could be dust. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Blossom says that she was just curious. And then she asks Tony about how he started smoking weed. So we finally learn how he started smoking weed. And it was when he was 12 and he was sent to Mountain High Camp, aptly named Mountain High Camp. And, you know, he was just sitting at the campfire with some friends and they all smoked their first joint together. When they were 12. At 12. And he describes how everything just kind of felt like heightened. You know, the Mm -hmm. stars are brighter and all this stuff. But like legit, though, camping high is pretty awesome. Is it? (laughs) Don't do drugs. Unless it's legal. Unless it's legal. (laughs) So Blossom asks Tony, like, whatever happened to his friends? Well, one of them is pre-med at Harvard and the other one OD'd on his 18th birthday. Tony explains, you know, he, he just couldn't deal with his friend dying and he even had to get hide to go to his friend's funeral and then he just kind of disappeared and we get a little bit of information about how blossom felt during this time and she shares that she kind of created this imaginary life for tony you know she couldn't she couldn't handle the fact i mean she was quite young at the time but she couldn't handle the fact that her brother was off being an addict and Mm -hmm. you know who knows where he was so she imagined that he was traveling europe on a bicycle which i mean i think a lot of especially little kids do that, right? Like that's yeah. a pretty common coping mechanism. Yeah, exactly. So Tony tells Blossom, you know, she can choose whether or not to start doing drugs, but she can't choose whether or not she's going to become an addict. And as we discussed earlier, that's that's very true. You know, it, it yeah. comes down to your, your, your brain chemistry and like predisposition mm-hmm. and also the situation you're in at the time, you know, like we said, Tony was dealing with his parents' divorce and this yeah. was a good escape, so... Uh, The way he phrases it, I think he, the way he phrased it was weird because he says, you don't get to choose how it turns out. Yeah. And that phrasing, I I just wrote down like, but not exactly, because if you look at Tony, he did make the choice of how it was going to turn out. Yes. I think the second half of this, especially the last scene, as we'll get to, has a lot of very standard anti-drug sentences, like Mm -hmm. lots of anti-drug phrases from the time. That, you know, it almost feels like they wrote this scene backwards that they could put in the like, you can choose to start, but you can't choose how it turns out. You know, they, they, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if there was some sort of like funding tied to this episode. I was wondering that too. Yeah. But also like this is the type of stuff that Blossom was known for was doing these episodes about quote unquote tougher issues. Very special episodes. Yeah. And doing it in a way that while I do think it has some of the like cheesy tropes of being a very special episode, it was a lot more realistic. And we'll, we'll get to that when we get to our scores and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. So Tony leaves, he literally pats her on the head. <laughs> I had to watch it twice. I was like, did he literally just pat her on the head? He does. And, and then he, he got a little awe from the audience. He got like applause. Yeah. And... This is the first time we've heard applause. Like the, yeah. the audience was like, that scene was really powerful. And I think at the time it was, even if we think yeah. some of this, like the lines now are a little cheesy at the time there wasn't this wasn't on tv this type of Mm -hmm. you know there was the don't do drugs but not this type of story of this is layered yeah it's layered um so he gets a little applause but we're brought back into the sitcom reality when tony returns for his sandwich citing short-term memory memory loss as a result of (laughs) all them drugs Nick is then on his way into the kitchen for a late night snack. He runs into Tony in the living room. He tells Tony he had this awful nightmare. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tony tells him about his conversation with Blossom, you know, gives him a heads up as Nick heads into the kitchen. So we we have our Blossom and Nick moment. Mm -hmm. Nick confronts Blossom and she confesses that she's not smoking weed 
but she was the one who brought the joint into the house. She was curious, but, you know, she's decided now that she doesn't want to smoke it. And Nick doesn't flip out on her. He's kind of calm at this point. I think he realizes that it wasn't a flippant decision for Blossom. It was like something that she really struggled with. I think once with stuff like this too, and if, if you're anything like me, you know, when the situation first occurs, you will run through Mm -hmm. every worst case scenario. But once it's in and out of your head, once whatever is really happening happens, it's like you've almost gotten the anxiety out of your system because you've already imagined the worst that can happen. So like anything less than that, you're like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. And also I think the way that she says, you know, I was thinking about it, but I've decided not to do it. It it is Mm -hmm. very genuine. Like she's not, she's not lying. Right. She's, she's telling him the truth. So as you know, they're having this conversation, Joey enters and he, he decided that he needs to come clean as well. It turns out the joint was his, somebody stashed it in his locker. They were probably trying to hide it from a teacher, Uh, but he would never do it because he's an athlete. He's an athlete. He doesn't want to wreck his sports (laughs) career. His plan was to bring it home to flush it. I don't know why he wouldn't have just flushed it down the toilet at school or put it in the garbage can. Like there was something. So anyway, so he, he, his plan was to bring it home and flush it, but he lost it on the bus which is where Blossom found it. Yep. Nick tells the kids to sit down. They're going to have their father-child talk. And this is kind of where we get those cheesy lines. You know, Nick Mm -hmm. asks them, like, how much of this stuff is around you? And and they kind of tell him, you know, drugs are everywhere. doesn't matter where we live. There will always be drugs. Which is true. Which is true. But it is a very, like, it it was a cheesy line. Again, I think at the time it wasn't, but... And with our 2021 goggles, it's a little cheesy. So Nick decides, you know, he's not going to lecture his kids like his dad used to. You know, he he never liked that. So instead, Tony's going to lecture them. (laughs) So he calls in Tony and um, we end on on Tony beginning this this anti-drug speech. Which was the right move because they're more likely to listen to their brother than their dad. Like he was totally right on that. Yeah. For many one one, he's their brother, not their dad. And also he's someone who has experience with this and he has friends who have experience with it. And mm-hmm. as we know from earlier, he has friends who had experiences that turned out quite positive, you know, pre-med and he has friends that experiences didn't turn out positive. Yeah. Let's, let's get into outfit of the week. Jen, Woo! what's your outfit? So my outfit, a lot of the outfits were pretty mild. Yeah. I will say there weren't a lot of crazy outfits, no. but one that I really liked and looked super comfy was Six's sleepover outfit. Mm-hmm. So she's wearing like, it's a shirt. It's like to her knees. But it's very flowy and looks very comfy. It's like a a pastel mix of blue and lavender. And she has these cute little lavender tights on. And it was just real cute. Yeah, that was that was I chose two because I was certain you were going to choose one of mine. So that was actually my second choice because I I was sure you were going to choose the other one. So I chose Six's first outfit. Mm -hmm. So she has this loose cropped v-neck purple sweater with a white lacy camisole underneath and then she has these high-waisted white shorts with a purple floral print on them and a black belt and then she has a white hat kind of tipped back on her head it has a brim on it and it's Mm -hmm. got these purple flowers at the front and a purple ribbon around like the base of the hat and yeah I, I would wear this outfit Yeah, 100%. But also I like how her pajamas match her daytime look. Yeah, right? Yeah. I know. I will say I might not choose six outfits as much anymore because she consistently has the same, she has like a bit of a uniform. She has the same silhouette a lot, yeah. Same silhouette. 
So I think I've seen it so many times now, as much as I like it. Yeah. I've seen it so many, so many times that something like special and weird needs to happen in it now for me to clock it. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. So our lesson of the week. This one was, I'm, I still don't know if this is my lesson of the week. I had a really hard time. I don't know. Did you have a hard time with this one? Well, I think the the lesson that they're trying to teach us is pretty clear, which is don't do drugs, kids. Right. There's like little elements and layers to that lesson to what I ended up writing down. And I still don't know if I'm happy with it is you can't control other people's choices, but you can help them make the better choice. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So a lot of this, it's not just straight up. Don't do drugs. Like they're not villainizing blossom or six for being curious about it. I think what they're getting at is like, talk to people about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, which I think is similar to what, to what you just said of, if you can't, you know, Tony can't stop Blossom from smoking a joint, but mm-hmm. he can share his experience and his friend's experience and give her more information so that she can make an informed choice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So score out of five doobies, <laughs> Jen, what do you give it? I gave this four doobies. So my reasons for that are it didn't get a five just because like we had talked about some of the, you know, the misconceptions about weed in particular, Mm -hmm. but drug use in general are older now. They don't really, they're kind of antiquated. It was very clearly a very special episode, maybe funded. We don't know. So it got a little bit cheesy. But the things I liked about it is that the first thing I like that it's told from Nick's perspective more than anybody else's. I think this is one of the first episodes where the lesson is for the parents more than anybody else. And that was really interesting to me. And the other one is I like how the episode ended because at the end of the day, even though he had like just a flip out attack on Joey, he didn't ground his kids for having these thoughts. He didn't Mm -hmm. go there. I think he realized that talking was the way to go instead of just punishing them. And I like that as well. Yeah. I, I also gave it a four out of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did take a point off for, for the the cheesy dialogue in certain mm-hmm. parts, but I, I liked that it tackled the issue of drugs from the starting point of kids just being curious about it. Like there was, there was nobody pressuring anybody to, to smoke weed. A lot of these episodes from even today, a lot of these episodes are like, somebody's going to pressure you to do it and you're going to smoke weed because you're being peer pressured and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what happened here. It was just someone legitimately being curious about, I wonder what would happen. Yep. And I also really liked the twist at the end of it being Joey's joint. Yeah, that was good. You know, like that, that was a nice surprise mm-hmm. um, and it didn't feel manufactured. They needed a reason to get them all into one room to talk about it. And that seemed like a good way to do it. Yeah. And I also liked how they did mention that there are some people who smoke weed and their life isn't ruined. You know, we have six talking about how there's people on the Supreme Court who probably tried weed at some point. And we have Tony's friend who was in pre-med and they balance that with the possible negative outcomes. We know that those for weed specifically are exaggerated these days. Yeah, Um, we know that. But um, I, I did like that it gave kind of a balanced at the time perspective of just Mm -hmm. knowing the risks involved. It's the same with drinking, right? Like alcohol is legal, but you need to know the risks involved with, with drinking before you can make the choice to, to do Mm -hmm. it responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I think they did it in the best way that they were able to do it while still making, you know, the obvious point that they had to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the joint. 
Uh, Next week, we're looking at season two, episode four. I'm with the band. Thanks, Jen, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, everyone out there for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Drugs. Thanks for listening to In My Opinionation. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IamOpinionation, our website at IamOpinionation.com, or email us at OpinionationPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your opinionation about this or any future episodes. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, the sun is going to surely shine.